The Holy Spirit from the very beginning this morning, Giles obeyed God and shouted out the shout that was on his heart, and Frank's obeyed God, and Jackie's obeyed God, and now I'm going to try to obey God. I'm not going to try, I'm going to obey God and bring forth this message uh, to the best of my ability. I think that this is in my vein, in my wheelhouse, they would say, uh, of teaching. And Lisa and I spent some time together this week listening to our mentor, one of them, Paul White, that we glean a lot from. And uh, then the Holy Spirit started sparking some thoughts in me as I knew we were going in the direction of uh, week three, walking in the Spirit. We've talked about walking the way that Jesus walked, and last week we talked about walking by faith and not by sight. And this morning, uh, my goal is to try to teach you give you some information that you can really study with so that you can realize that you are walking in the Spirit already. Did you hear me? You are walking in the Spirit. Uh, and I hope to bring some clarity to uh, the misunderstanding of the controversy between walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. As Paul presented in Galatians, the fifth chapter, so I would encourage you to get a notebook or your phone, something that you could take a few notes on and jot some things down so that you could use it. Uh, I'm not going to give you every piece of information uh, available to you about this subject or even this passage of Scripture, but I want to bring some light to some things so that when you go home and you begin to study the Word and you begin to look into the Scripture, you will say, well, what? Man, Pastor Jamie said this, and you can go down a vein. See, when I get something from someone else, it sparks thought, it sparks inspiration to dig deeper to see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to me about that, and it clears up the waters. Uh, in a lot of areas, it connects the dots. Uh, if I could say anything about my journey with Jesus, especially in uh, learning more about him over the past 10 to 12 years, has been that he has connected a lot of dots for me that were left undone. And I can say thank you to two people that are in the building this morning for helping me, encouraging me on that journey, and that would be Kim Lane and Lisa. Because Kim gave a book to Lisa that Lisa gave to me because I read a lot faster than she does. <laughs> And it really put me on a journey that has brought freedom to my life that for the first 37 years, uh, I didn't say that I wasn't going to heaven and I didn't say that I might not have felt like I was sometimes because I put so much on myself. But man, did it bring some freedom and some light and connect some dots. That's what we've been trying to endeavor to do over the last eight years. So let's dive into Galatians, the fifth chapter, if you would with me for 11 verses. This is the only time I'm going to read through the passage, and then we will kind of um, dip and dunk and drive and weave through all of these verses uh, and try to bring some light on them. So chapter 5, Galatians, verses 16 through 26, Paul speaking to the Galatian church. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, one translation says wars against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Could I stop right there? 
Does anybody uh, agree that there are sometimes things that you don't do that you wish you would do? I'm not the only one. And there's other things that uh, you don't do that you, or that you did that you wish you hadn't have done. Okay, so we're all on the same page. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want you to look at uh, me right now and let's repeat together. Uh, I am led by the Spirit. I am not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, or the works of the flesh manifest in such a way, and they would be adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I will tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in the past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Over in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, he reiterates something very similar to this. He said, as some of you used to do, or you such were, but you now are. So, okay. Verse 22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are of Christ have crucified the flesh, have crucified the flesh, not ongoing, have crucified the flesh. I grew up in teaching that you had to die daily. Dying daily is not abundant life. And I'm not trying to, I'm not here to, that was incompleteness. There's a dot that has been connected for me now. I died once. His death was my death. And as he died and was resurrected, his resurrection was my resurrection. And now I have been brought into, and I walk in, as Paul said, the newness of life. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The phrase walking in the Spirit is often misunderstood because it's taken out of context. When you take anything out of context, it will not be understood in the context which it was given. Dr. Howell says all the time, if you take a text out of context, all you're left with is a con. <laughs> so we can't extract, don't extract this phrase, walking in the Spirit, from its context. As soon as you extract it from its context, you will misunderstand it. It will become something that it was never meant to become, and I'll tell you two things that it becomes. If you extract this phrase out of its context, number one, it will become condemning, and number two, it will become effort-filled. It will bring forth a life of effort that you always are trying to strive to obtain walking in the Spirit. But out of context, misunderstood. There, there is a better way to study the Scriptures. Would you like for me to tell it to you? Yeah. There's a better way than the old McDonald theology of grabbing a trump, chunk of Scripture here and here is verse, there a verse everywhere, a verse verse. And none of those verses make any sense out of context. And so we have a lot of misled, misguided, and misinformed, and misunderstood 
portions of Scripture that unfortunately denominations have been built on. And they strive to make that verse uh, prominent in their denomination, a foundation, and uh, it, it's been extracted from the text, and it, it's not making any sense to people. Here's three ways that you can study the Scripture in context, and we're going to go over them this morning. There's the broad context, there's the narrow context, and there's the narrowest context. Don't get that confused with the Scripture. I didn't say broad is the way and narrow is the gate. I'm not using that Scripture. I'm talking about three ways to study the Scripture, broad, narrow, and narrowest. So let's look at the broad context in um, the subject of and the phrase of walking in the Spirit. Here's the broad context. The broad context is it has to be the kingdom of God. Outside of the kingdom of God, walking in the Spirit is not going to make any sense. So the broad context is the kingdom of God. It's the new covenant. Narrow is the usage to and for the believer in the new covenant. So we have the kingdom of God. That's the broad context, the new covenant. We're not going to look into the old covenant. We're looking at the new covenant in the kingdom of God to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Narrow, then, is the usage of walking in the Spirit to the believer in the new covenant then the narrowest way to study this portion of Scripture would to narrow it down specifically to Galatians chapters 4 and 5, and then even more narrow to the verses that we just read. Does that make sense? Broad, narrow, narrowest. That when you study in that context, things will begin to make sense to you that have not made sense to you before. Try it. Broad context. The law and the prophets, Matthew says, were preached until John. John the Baptist comes on the scene, the forerunner of the Christ. John did not preach the law and the prophets. That's why the law and the prophets got mad at him. He was, re he was preaching what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Stick your hand out in front of you. The kingdom is right there. And within moments of saying repent, change your mind about the way the law and the prophets isn't the way that it's going to come forth anymore. It's going to be through the Lamb. And within moments of saying repent, for the kingdom is at hand, here comes the king down over the banks of the Jordan. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now here's the king. Jesus, read the Gospels, Jesus preached the kingdom. It says that wherever he went, he preached the kingdom. And Jesus went as far to tell the disciples, it's not, not, it, not only is it near you, it's in you. I got cold chills that just went through my legs on that one. <laughs> the kingdom's in you. That's the broad context that we will not understand walking in the Spirit outside of the context of the kingdom of God. He preached the kingdom. Then he gave his disciples the assignment at the end of his fleshly journey on the earth. And he gave them the power and the authority. And he said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, cast out demons. But don't miss the part, he said, and preach the kingdom. Paul preached the kingdom. Look at all of the epistles. He's preaching the kingdom. And then we now should be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The broad context, you will not understand uh, spiritual things with a carnal mind. It has to be within the context of the kingdom. That's broad. 
So now we narrow it down. The kingdom of God in the new covenant with new creation realities is that we inherit His life. Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise God? Uh, he, he, didn't, he just gave us His life. He didn't want our old life. It's not even an exchange because it wasn't worth giving to Him. He just gave us His life. We inherited His life. Now, if we can't have it here and now, then we can't give it here and now. If I'm waiting for a kingdom to go to, then I have nothing to offer people in the here and now. I have something that they can hope for in the by and by, sweet by and by on the sunny banks. Thank God for that. But there is a present reality, Pastor Hank, that we have here and now as kingdom believers that gives us hope, it gives us abundance, and we, give, we have something now to offer people in the hell that they're living in here on earth. Stay with me in the context of Galatians, the fifth chapter. We need to realize that we can walk in the fullness of the kingdom realm right now. And that's what Paul was meaning by walking in the spirit, that we can walk in the invisible kingdom in the visible earth. You may not be able to see it, but you sure can access it. Write that down. Uh, walking in the Spirit is in the kingdom realm. I may not be able to see it, but I can, do have access to it. Man, that's good news. Uh, you know, that's what faith is. We've talked about walking by faith and not by sight. I might not be able to see it, but praise God, I have access to it. How do I have access to it? By repentance. I change my mind about the things that He has been saying about who He is and about who I am in Him. Uh, don't surrender tasting the goods of the kingdom for temporary fleshly pleasures. Now, I know where a lot of hacking preachers go with that. They're going to start telling you all the fleshly, worldly things you can't do. You can't do this, and you can't watch that, and you can't go there, and that's not what Paul is saying at all. And I'm going to show that to you in the, the portion of Scripture that we're looking at. So let's go to the narrow context. As a believer in the kingdom of God, Holy Spirit is to you in the new covenant what the law of Moses was to the, those in the old covenant. We had, they had a law that was a schoolmaster that him the men protected them and taught them, pointing them to Christ. We, however, live on the other side of the cross. That's extremely good news, thank God, where our sin have been washed in the blood. And so now we as believers have an indwelling Holy Spirit that protects us, that guides us, that leads us, that wants to speak to us so that... The narrow context in the kingdom of God is we have the Holy Spirit, they had the law. In Galatians then, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament as and, and in contrast to the law in the Old Testament. He has to point out to them what the law did and how much better the Holy Spirit is now for the believer in the New Testament walking in the kingdom realm. Am I making any sense? Good. See, the Holy Spirit is received by faith, not by works. 
as salvation is received by faith. See, I believe you got it all. When you got saved, you got it all. He didn't withhold any good thing from you. And so by faith, you received a brand new life, and He placed His Spirit within you, and that was not by any work that you did. I believe that you began in the Spirit, and I would ask you the same question that Paul asked the Galatians. I'll be a little bit nicer. I won't call you foolish Christians or foolish Galatians. He calls them, he says, you foolish Galatians. You began in the Spirit who has bewitched you to go back to living up under a system of the law when you have an indwelling Holy Spirit. Does that, that That's good news. That, we have the Spirit of God. Why do we keep going back to a system that would put us under bondage and condemnation to fulfill some type of work so that we can get something from God who's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness? Talking about walking in the Spirit and keeping it in context of the kingdom of God with an indwelling Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to say, we were made perfect by the Spirit, not by the works of the flesh. So the contrast and the comparison analogy that Paul uses, he uses it in Galatians, he uses it in Hebrews, um, he uses it here in Galatians and he starts talking about Mount, Mount Sinai and Hagar and Ishmael and he talks, compares that to, to Mount Zion and, and Sarah and the son of promise, which was Isaac, and you're either under the heritage of one or the other. You are either receiving an inheritance from Moses, Mount Sinai, does that make sense? That's where the law was handed down. Or you're living under the inheritance of Isaac, who was given the promise through his father Abraham, whose seed, singular, was Christ. So Galatians 5.16 isn't all of the sudden going to switch from the context of the kingdom and the Holy Spirit in contrast to the law for the believer to start talking about a list of sins that you should or shouldn't commit. Can you see that? See, this has been preached out of context and misunderstood because it's been given to us as a list of do's and don'ts. See, we're not under a covenant of do good, get good, do bad, get bad. We're not under a covenant of this is a list of things to avoid and this is a list of things that you should do. And if you do, then you're going to have the favor of God on you. He doesn't switch gears in the middle of chapter 5, verse 16 and stop contrasting the law and the Holy Spirit. He's still in the context of the kingdom of God for the believer who has received the Holy Spirit by faith and is not under the law. I had you repeat it. Let's do it again. I'm not under the law. This is helping me. So what happens to those who walk in the flesh or they're desiring the pleasures of the flesh the desire of the flesh. Do you know what the desire of the flesh is? Is to perform. The desire of the flesh is to perform. It's a do-it-yourself mentality. By the way, when Paul mentions the flesh, to him, he's talking about the law. If you'll study out Romans and You'll look at Ephesians and Galatians, the, the epistles that he writes. When Paul starts talking about the flesh, pinch yourself. 
That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about that bodysuit that you're in right now. He's talking about the law. And so he is saying that the list that he gives in verses 19 through 21 are manifestations of the desires of the flesh to perform. <laughs> and those who are walking that way are forfeiting the inheritance that they have received from the Father. Paul is talking then about how you can live and walk in everyday life by the Spirit. Okay, get on the edge of your seat and lean in and turn attention and hearing aids up. Two things that Paul never says out of this verse that have always been preached out of this verse, but Paul never mentions them. Can I give them to you? Are you, are you interested? Paul never mentions heaven. I believe in heaven. And Paul never mentions hell. I believe in a biblical hell. Okay? So, why do we get heaven and hell out of a portion of Scripture that never mentions heaven or hell? Isn't it amazing that we would take this list that Paul gives and then we would insinuate or we would insert and then we would extract it from its context of the kingdom of God and an indwelling Holy Spirit and we would make it about going to a place after you die. And that's not what he's talking. He never mentions those two words. He never mentions the afterlife. But by the nod of a head or the show of the hand, how many of you have ever heard Galatians 5, 16 through 26 preached in context of going to heaven or hell? I have. Okay. And please don't go out of here saying that I don't believe in heaven and I don't believe in hell. My mama is dead and gone. Her fleshly body ceased to exist, but her spirit is alive. I had a conversation with her this week. I believe to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in the context of that scripture, that's why I walk by faith, not by sight. Because I believe in an unseen, the kingdom realm. Walking by the flesh, oh, this is good, will produce a sin revival. The preaching of the law, Paul said, strengthens sin. And when sin is strengthened, the wage is death, and it leads to disaster and chaos in your life. Walking in the flesh is not talking about sinning. Walking in the flesh is talking about going back to a system of performance. We have a desire to perform. And after being born of the Spirit into a brand new life, why do you want to go back to performing again? You didn't... God didn't save you through your works or your performance. He saved you by faith. He gave you the same spirit by faith. So why do you want to go back under a system? Now you would say, preacher, we're not cutting off hands and plucking out eyes. We're not, we're not walking by the law. No, but we in the Western culture have put ourselves under some teachings that have uh, equated to a system that would cause us to want to perform. I mean, if I paint that wall white and you come in next week and it has a sign all the way down the wall do not touch wet paint I guarantee you some of you are going to go over there and touch it to see if it's wet or not but you have this urge this desire 
to perform, to prove. But if I painted it white and didn't put any signs on it, you would probably think it's dry and you're not going to be concerned about touching it to see if it's wet or not. You're saying, well, that's a, that wall looks good. Probably not if I painted it, you won't say it looked good. But. <laughs> see, that's the heritage of Ishmael. That's the heritage of Mount Sinai after Hagar, not the inheritance of Isaac. So again, the context of walking in the Spirit is not one of sinning versus not sinning. And I can hear your wheels turning in your head. See, God has already dealt with the sin problem through what Jesus did. I didn't say that you didn't sin, that I didn't sin, but he has dealt with the sin problem. We don't practice sinning. Sin has been dealt with. The punishment of sin has been eradicated. The wage of sin is what? Death. Has death been defeated? It absolutely has been defeated. Jesus said he swallowed up death. And so grave, where is your sting? Hell, where's your victory? It's been swallowed up. Victory is his. Walking by the flesh will produce the works of the flesh and they will manifest in the way that 19, 20, 21, Paul describes the manifestations. And he gives you a list of things there that are the manifestations out of the system of Mount Sinai. And these things do not produce righteousness, nor do they inherit or lead to a path where you are receiving your inheritance of the Father. It's amazing how many Christians will have more faith in resurrecting a dead man than they will believing that they have faith to believe that they are a resurrected man. I was talking to Jonathan yesterday, and, I, I, and many of you know um, Dr. Lauren Helm, who was a spiritual grandfather. Um, and when I talk about things that I learned from him, it's not in a derogatory manner at all. Uh, he preached from the revelation that he had. The problem with the ministry that he brought forth was many under his ministry misconstrued it and made it something that it wasn't. And they became little Lauren Helms, which God never called them to be. Uh, and so there, the fruit of his ministry in my life is that I can walk by the Spirit. I can hear his voice speaking to me. But what I have had to uh, divorce myself from in that teaching is that I die daily. It is not a life of death. It's a life of life. I have died to sin. Um, when Paul said, I die daily, Paul was talking literal. He was not talking figuratively, and he was not talking spiritually. He literally faced death eyeball to eyeball, day in and day out. He had been persecuting the church and breathing out threats as a Jew against the church. Now he comes to the way of Christ, and the Jews want to kill him. And literally, and not only did the Jews want to kill him, the Romans want to put him in the, with the gladiators and face, facing the lions for his faith. Walking by the flesh will produce a sin revival, so stop walking as if you have not received an inheritance. Because you have received an inheritance. 
How do I know that you have received an inheritance? Because you're alive. Dead people don't inherit anything. They leave an inheritance. Jesus died. He left us an inheritance. He got up again to exact the will so that you and I who got up with him in his resurrected body giving us resurrection life can now walk in the fullness of the inheritance that he's given to us. But if you want to perform, if you want to walk by the flesh, it will manifest in that list that Paul gives you and in the manifestation of those things in your life, you will bring chaos, destruction, disaster, and death, and you will not walk in the inheritance that you have been promised on the planet. So the narrowest context, broad Narrow, the narrowest context has to be, we have to bring it down to the 11 verses in context of chapter 4 and 5. And Paul gives a lot of things in chapter 3, talks about foolish Galatians, chapter 4. He begins this comparison and contrasting between the law and the Holy Spirit. And then we have specifically verses 16 through 26. But what the problem is, in the Galatian church, there are a bunch of agitators. Has anybody ever met an agitator? Uh, I don't know how else to, <laughs> to say it, but uh, I see a couple of young people pointing at each other back there. <laughs> Agitators stir up. And I don't know how else to say it, but they stir the crap pot. And when you stir it, it stinks. And then there's strife and there's controversy. And so these agitators that are in the Galatian church, Paul calls them Judaizers. And what they want to do is they want to see that you must, you have to, it's a necessity. You can accept Christ, but you have to still follow the Jewish laws and observe the feast and especially circumcision. You have to be circumcised. You can accept Christ, that's fine, but you've got to be circumcised. Well, Paul wasn't teaching that. But the second thing that these agitators were saying is they were lying about Paul. They were saying he had changed his tune about the message of circumcision that he was now also preaching that you had to be circumcised. And Paul says, I have not. Matter of fact, in the Mirror Bible, in verse 16, he says, I have concluded. And we'll see in a minute what he had concluded. Uh, Paul says... Put this on the screen if you want. There are only two ways to walk in this life. There's only two. Walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. In other words, what Paul was saying is that you are either walking by your works or you're walking by his work. If you're walking by your work, you're walking in the flesh. And if you're walking by his work, you're walking in the spirit. I am not under the law, so I'm, work, I'm walking by the finished work of the cross of Christ. And so therefore you are, I am, as believers, we are walking in the Spirit. Amen. We have such a jaded interpretation of walking in the Spirit. Don't externalize it. Don't bring it to, into the natural. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight. It isn't doing bad things and then trying to rise above doing those bad things. And Paul says in Romans, that's redoubling your efforts. So I had a fleshly desire. Uh, it manifested in my life. It was, let, let's say it was fornication. So now I have to redouble my efforts to rise above that. That's not walking in the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit that's indwelling within you, guarantee you He warned you before you made that decision. 
but you didn't heed it. So you walked in it. It's brought chaos into your life, but he's still reminding you that you're walking in the Spirit and you are a child of God. And so you have him as a guide, a protector, a leader, and a teacher. And he's reminding you, teaching you of all the things that Jesus said about you, that you are a son. Repent, change your mind about the things that you did and the way they're making you feel and feel his love and acceptance again and walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not about chopping away at the old man. Uh, We do take personal responsibility and we put off some things and we put on some things. But it's not about chopping away at that old man. Again, in my teaching, that would be dying to self. I am not saying that there are not times when the Holy Spirit deals with me that I have to say, I would really like to do that, but I know if I do that, the best result is to follow the Holy Spirit, so I'll go this route. Now, call that dying to yourself if you want. I just think it's wisdom in making a better choice because I know what I've done when I made my own choices and where I ended up. (laughs) What you spend time dwelling on will manifest. I'm I'm wrapping it up, okay, so I don't want to... But the, I got so help out of much help out of this and listening to what Paul had to say, Paul White. And so Lisa interjected some things, and then the Holy Spirit started sparking things. And this is the way that I'm delivering it to you so that when you go home, if you really will take the time, what you dwell on will manifest. Amen. Now, if you sat here this morning, oh, that was a great message, you'll leave. Pastor, oh, good job. We love you. Thank God that, for that message. And you don't do anything about it you'll still struggle with and have controversy and not understand the phrase walking in the Spirit. But if you'll really study it out, I'm not telling you that what I'm presenting to you is going to just make all the difference for you and you got it and go home and study it. Dwell on it because what you dwell on will manifest. You are dead to sin, so quit presenting yourself as dead. I mean, as not alive. You are alive to Christ and dead to sin. So Paul said in Romans 5, 16, the mirror Bible, I only have one page of five pages left, okay? So we're, we're narrowing it down. He said, I conclude then, we should engage, you should engage your spirit to be the dominant influence in your daily walk and see how it defeats the cravings of the flesh. The spirit is satisfied by the law of love and the revelation of grace. That's all. The Spirit is satisfied with the law of love and the revelation of grace, but the flesh craves to prove and to be gratified. Can I give you a real-life example? That's why people get mad when their name's not in the bulletin when they bake the cake. That's why people get mad when the preacher doesn't shake their hand. Why? Because the flesh craves to be gratified say this with me faith defeats flesh see the law is the catalyst to disaster and chaos so then the works of the flesh manifest and then a legalistic judgmental attitude prevails where sexual sin runs rampant Where idolatry, here's what idolatry is. Idolatry is worshiping a distorted image of yourself. So if you don't believe yourself to be what God says you are, then you're practicing idolatry. 
you're worshiping a distorted view of who you really are in Christ. Then what manifests are drugs and hatred and constant conflict and jealous suspicions and uh, desperately trying to live out of the sheer willpower independent of the source of life, which is Christ himself. And then there are public outbursts of wrath. There's rage and cutthroat competition. There's dissensions and heresy and manipulations, which Paul says is witchcraft. Those are all manifestations of trying to gratify the flesh and to perform under a system whose heritage is Mount Sinai. And it forfeits the inheritance that you could have. I believe that the new covenant through the blood of Jesus, where we have been given as believers an indwelling Holy Spirit, is full of abundant liberty. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that all things are permissible, abundant liberty, but not all things are beneficial. And he goes on to say they're not beneficial because it will cause you to treat your neighbor, mistreat your neighbor or be a stumbling block. See, the flesh is the mindset, Frank, if you'll come on. The flesh is the mindset governed by a sense of lack and dependency on the source of life, Christ. But... Walking in the Spirit is a mindset governed by the life-giving Spirit dwelling within the believer. The sad picture is that many in the church are consumed by works and performance. And those who practice these kinds of lifestyles are not walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. So if these things manifest in a life lived out and walking in the flesh, what is the manifestation of those who are walking in the Spirit? That's what Paul begins to talk about in verse 22. From the mirror translation, your spirit will effortlessly bear the rich harvest of love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, integrity, gentleness, self-control, and all of these reveal the irresistible attraction of the inner man. Faith defines us, not flesh. So if we take our lead from the Spirit in our daily conduct, and this is where I will end, walking in the Spirit, keeping that phrase in context of the kingdom of God with the indwelling Holy Spirit for the life of the believer, we take our lead from the Spirit of God in our daily conduct, and it's evident in these three ways. This is where we'll end this morning. It's evident in how we treat people. If we're walking in the Spirit, it will be evident in the way that we are treating people. It will be evident in how we are not influenced by the tangible, tangible covenant of Moses. We're not affected or influenced by keeping a law or keeping a tradition or a ritual or observing some type of feast. And it will be evident in how we are accessing and enjoying 
our inheritance. I am amazed by the amount of people who would rather be told what to do and then submit themselves to bondage by trying to gratify the flesh improving that they can do what they've been told to do so that God will bless them. I'm amazed by how many people still walk that way today. What are you talking about? I'm talking about people desiring to come to a gathering where someone stands up in front of them that is authority on the list that needs to be presented. Then they present a list to them because our flesh desires to be told what to do. And then we spend a week trying to do what we've been told that we have to do, and it puts us in bondage. Then we feel guilty and ashamed and embarrassed because we didn't fulfill it. And then because of the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment, we're too prideful to come. Because here's the other reason. We won't come back because if we come back, then we'll be told how we failed and what we need to do, redouble our efforts to rise above what you didn't do last week. And so we continue to walk in the flesh. We're not led by the Spirit. And people are full of condemnation and guilt. And as Dare sitting on the front row told me a few weeks back, you quit. You just give up. It's too hard. If that's what it takes to be a Christian, I can't do it. And so we have houses full of people today around the world who have quit going to gatherings, public gatherings, because they can't meet up to the requirements that are, repl- that are placed upon them. So by God's grace, our intent is to never place anything heavy or ill on you that would put you in a place of condemnation that you have to perform, but to open up the gospel of the kingdom and to show you what Christ has performed for you and done for you, that you can walk therein and have abundant freedom that you can enjoy the inheritance that he's given to you. So many people, believers, die today, heaven would be their home, that are living in hell today. Under a religious system, under the name of God, under the name of this is what the Bible says to do. But don't enjoy life. I believe, matter of fact, let, let me, as you stand to your feet, let me point one thing out to you. This is the Lavender's translation, good friend of ours, who he and his father spent 30 years translating the actual Greek. This is a literal translation. And uh, <clears throat> in verse 16 of Galatians, the fifth chapter, he, is, he says, Now I say, you must walk in the Spirit. And you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he has a little Z there that points to a footnote at the bottom. This footnote says that in the Greek, this absolutely cannot translates the force of the double negative. In other words, your attempt to bring together the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh in the same life at the same time is an impossibility. You can't be walking in the Spirit and in the flesh at the same time. 
is an impossibility. And because you are a believer who's accepted the finished work of the Christ uh, of the cross and you have been given an inheritance that as he is you are then you are walking in the spirit. So keep it in the context and don't add a list of do's and don'ts to it that would cause you to want to perform. And I hope that sheds some light on some areas that you can study in context and that you don't externalize the phrase walking in the Spirit. Amen. Babe, you have anything to add to that? Good. Any, any comments? Critiques or critics you can leave be left out? No, just. I believe the Spirit of God has moved in this place this morning. Um, I'm thankful for Jackie. She was an encourager, not an agitator this morning. She encouraged us. We need more encouragers, not agitators. We've got enough agitators in the world. Thank God for people like Jackie that obeyed the Holy Spirit and encouraged us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Frank, for encouraging us through your testimony and the song that you shared with us that he's always good and he's always faithful. Don't forget those names that we mentioned. If you've not become a part of the prayer garden, uh, go to Facebook and make yourself available to that where you can place requests and you can also pray for those that have made requests. My Father, every need on every heart this morning, whether it be physical need, mental, emotional need, financial need, a need for companionship, whatever that need is, may that those who have the need realize that it is fulfilled in you. We have gathered in your name under the banner of your love this morning as one body. But there's many needs represented through the members of the body, and so may we minister to those needs as you lead us. As we leave this building in one another's presence and your presence goes with us, lead us, guide us, direct us. May we hear the cries of the hurting. May we see the needs of the needy. May we respond with a generous heart to meet the needs of the people around us and thus walk in the, the spirit and fulfill the law of love in Jesus' name. Amen. Every heart clear this morning? Anything on anybody's heart before we go? Any prayer needs? Word? The Lord has blessed you. The Lord is keeping you. The Lord has caused His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord has lifted His countenance upon you and He's giving you peace. And as you walk in the Spirit, let the peace of Christ guard your hearts. He received joy unspeakable and full of glory this week as you walk in the kingdom in Jesus' name. You're blessed and highly favored and deeply loved by Christ and by us. We hope to see you Wednesday night as we have breakfast for dinner. Breakfast for dinner.